Hello and welcome to my show. I'm your host and empathic brain healer, Orion Mott, coming to you from the great white north of Toronto, Canada. Today's episode, I'll be interviewing Catherine Kerrigan, who is a medical intuitive healer, author of 10 books and the host of the Natural Healing Show for UK Health Radio. She has 27 years of experience in natural healing. You can learn more about Catherine Kerrigan at www.catherinekerrigan.com and www.unlimitedenergynow.com. Hey, welcome to my podcast. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you so much for having me. So since we're both medical intuitives, I want to get your story. Um, my, my listeners know my story, but you're the writer of 10 books and your latest one just came out. And I'd like to know the history of how you got into realizing you're a medical intuitive because healers, there's like these moments where they just, oh, I'm different from everybody else. So I wanted to get your early stories um, so the listeners can understand sort of where it begins, where this whole journey begins. Oh, thank you so much for asking. Well, first of all, I'm 61 years old. This is all real. <laughs> I don't dye my hair. It's all real. Um, and I've done natural healing only 27 years. So to be a master at anything takes 10,000 hours of practice. And I've been, so which is basically like 10 years. And I've been doing this for 27 years. So your question was, how did I get started in this? So <clears throat> when I was in my early 30s, I got really sick. And my whole life, I'd always been considered highly intelligent. I went to Brown University. I was Phi Beta Kappa. I gave the Phi Beta Kappa speech when I graduated. And, um, you know, sometimes people ask me, well, when did, you, when did you realize you were intuitive? Or what was the first intuitive experience that you can recall? Well, when I was a little girl, I lived in London, England, and it was my little brother's birthday. And at the time I was six, he was turning three years old and it was about Easter time. So my parents organized an Easter egg hunt, what you do around Easter time. And my brother and I hid in the house while my parents hid the eggs. And while they were hiding the eggs or, you know, during this time, they told us that there was gonna be a Cadbury golden egg. Well, you know, if there's one thing that'll really focus your mind when you're a little kid, it's the thought of a big chocolate gold egg, right? So at any rate, at the day of my brother's birthday party, the parents opened the door to the back garden and I walked out and I went directly, do not pass, go to the golden egg and I got it. <laughs> and my parents, got really angry because it was like I spoiled the surprise. <laughs> and again, I was only six. And uh, so they assumed that I cheated, which I didn't. Or they assumed that I looked, which I didn't. And uh, so I was spanked. And I remember when I was a little kid, I was frequently getting spanked for making observations <laughs> about things, which happened to be true, but maybe I wasn't supposed to know them, right? But that was probably my earliest intuitive experience. I wrote about, I write about 
um, and, and for our audience, one of my 10 books is called Unlimited Intuition Now, which mm -hmm. is about how to develop your own intuition. And big picture, there's four primary intuitive gifts, clairvoyance, which is where you see things, uh, claircognizance, which is where you know things, um, clear audience is where you hear things, and clear sentience is when you feel things, such as feeling the energy and emotions of what's going on around you. And as we open our intuitive gifts, you know, all these strengths and all these capacities become available to us. Now, it's my belief that your intuition is your soul guidance. So because you are a soul, and you know you have a body that's the way i look at it your soul you have a body your soul is always trying to communicate with you your soul is always giving you messages 24 7 it's really just about whether you're listening and these gifts you know these so-called psychic gifts or intuitive gifts are really just how your soul communicates with you so finding the golden egg was probably my earliest experience and when I was in my 30s, I began to study natural healing. Like many people in natural healing, I got really sick in my early 30s. And um, I am the daughter of a doctor. My brother's a doctor. My uncle was a doctor. My grandfather was a doctor. And my great-grandfather was a doctor. So I come from this strongly <laughs> medical family. I respect doctors. I tell my clients, if you need to go to a doctor, I'll tell you, you know, that in a heartbeat. I've had clients in my office and I'll say, do me a favor and don't leave my office until you go and make an appointment and get this or that checked out. Mm. Right? So it's my view that as a medical intuitive healer, we want to go work together with all practitioners for the highest good of the client, right? But the way that I look at the body, you have a physical body, you know what that is. You also have an energy system. Your energy system includes your chakras, your acupuncture meridians, and your breath. You have an emotional body, which is the largest part of any of us, okay? Because emotions can shut down literally anything. You have a mind, which is your thoughts, beliefs, your ego, and your shadow. And then you have you are a soul having this spiritual experience. And, you know, my, my 10th book, Reading the Soul, is about what's going on with you at the soul level, right? So the way that I look at a person is much more expansive because I look at what I call the five levels of healing. So at any rate, so I got really sick in my 30s. And, you know, like most people, I went to the doctors, they're like, well, we know you're really, really, really sick, but we don't really know what to do with you. <laughs> and, you know, run all kinds of tests and, you know, different things were not working. Um, but it wasn't until I started going to natural healers that I started getting better. Mm. And um, I remember going to a medical doctor who happened to be Chinese, and he was the first person to demonstrate kinesiology with me. Muscle testing. And I was like, muscle testing. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And, um, and then a friend here in Atlanta said, oh, 
you know, if you want to get well, you really need to go to this other person. So like many people who end up with alternative healers, I started with traditional medicine, didn't get any results, and then started going to natural healers. So as I started receiving this kind of healing, I started getting better. It's like, oh, okay, this works. And, um, and then I thought, well, this is really, really fascinating. And um, about that time, I was writing plays. I'm a playwright, I'm the author of 12 plays. And when you're a playwright, you're like, okay, well, what do I do to make a living while I'm writing my plays? And I was tutoring. And um, I remember tutoring this little boy for about a year. And he had a police record and was struggling in school. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, well, to me, they said, well, why don't you learn these little this little system to help his brain work better and I started practice study this just to help him and it was very interesting because he was so difficult to work with that if it had just been for money I would have quit but at the time his uncle mowed our lawn and my husband was very busy and stressed at that time so I was really wanting to help my husband and so, and help this little boy. Anyway, I learned this system for getting your brain to work better. Mm -hmm. And this little boy who had a police record started making A's and B's and became the teacher's pet. Right. That, huh? The first moment that is the transference of knowledge. Yeah, I thought right. this is really interesting. So I thought, well, I'm gonna learn everything about this because it actually works, right? Yeah. Wonderful. And um, since that time, again, I, I practiced and studied natural healing for 27 years. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember getting interviewed recently by a journalist in Australia. And he said, well, what did you do before this? Like, this was some little amateur activity on my part. I'm like, well, I've done this full time for 27 years. How old are you? <laughs> right? What, what were you doing 27 years ago? Learning to tie your shoes? I'm like, no, this is what I do. I've published 10 books and studied all over the world. I'm very curious. I'm a very, very curious person. So whenever I hear about somebody who's got really good knowledge, I read their books, I go study with them, and I'm always studying. It's fascinating to me. Let, me. let me backtrack. Let me ask you a question that I've been asked, and I've my own version of, of what I believe, but I want to know your point of view because you have you have your own perceptions. What do you feel the soul? Uh, where do you feel the soul is around the body or in the body, and what does it look like, and how large is it? I know I get that question a lot, so I'll ask you that question. Okay, so and I I just want to say I have great respect for people of all religions. I live in the South. One of the questions that I frequently get asked about is whether I'm a Christian. I grew up in the Episcopal Church. I, as soon as I wake up, open my eyes, I start praying. <laughs> I pray all day long. So, it, you know, it's, it's, and different people have different words for this. Some people talk about your spirit and then your soul. 
Um, it's my experience that, and again, my knowledge such as it is, and I admit I don't know anything, I'm very humble, but my experience is that this, your soul is the eternal part of you, right? Mm. It's the part of you that was, that existed before you were incarnated in this lifetime. It's a part of you that will continue to exist after your physical body goes away, right? Um, and people talk about your energy field, right? So it's a law of physics that anytime there is a vertical electrical current, so if you're standing up, you're vertical. And so anytime there's a vertical electrical current, and there's a vertical electrical current running through the physical body, there's an energy field perpendicular to that. Mm -hmm. so your question's actually a very interesting one because yesterday, for example, I was doing a medical intuitive healing with a gentleman in Mexico. And I said to him, you're not grounded. <laughs> I said, you know, you've never been fully integrated in your body. So the question that you have is, where is your soul? That's, I would say that is actually different for each person. Because mm -hmm. some people, as I said to him, you know that expression, I'm beside myself? <laughs> sure. That's somebody who's not, you know, fully in their body. Or sometimes people are, you know, they're more up in their head and mm -hmm. up here then they're down in their body and um so bear with me i apologize about that so you know where you are in your body is going to be unique to you and some people have a better level of mind body spirit integration right okay but to answer your question in general it's going to be within your energy field right Interesting. And, do, do and, you, when you sense it, do you sense colors of the soul, or do you see it as like a, um, a an integrated field of all different colors? Like, what what would you describe it to look like when when you go into it? Because obviously, when you're working with a person, you're going back and forth from the the physical body out to the energy field and the, the interactions there. Do you do you see a color or a texture? What what's your interpretation of that field in terms of how you interact with it? That's a great question also, and, and here's my answer. Just like some people, like I'm a brunette, and some people are blondes, and other people are have gray hair or red hair, what your energy field looks like is different. So I could, is, it's going to be unique to you. Mm. And um, if, for example, in this day and age, there are such things as aura cameras that take pictures of your energy field. Mm. And I'll, I'll never forget years ago, working with a client who had fibromyalgia and her energy field looked like the character Pigpen from Peanuts. If you remember that, right. Pigpen had sort of like a cloud of dust yeah. around him, you know, that just followed him around. So everybody's energy field is gonna be unique to you. Um, the different colors of your energy field are going to sort of uh, express the emotions and thoughts mm. that, you know, that, um, that you're going through. Uh, I've had my, my aura photo taken recently, and my aura looks purple, mm. 
right? And and your your energy field can change over time. I can remember having my aura photo taken even in my 30s, and you could see every the you should you could see literally the colors of every chakra. And um, I'm a longtime practitioner of yoga and Qigong. And I believe that people who do natural healing need to have some regular practices to balance their own energy field. Because as a healer, you can only take people as far as you've gone yourself. So if you're stuck in anxiety, you're not going to really be able to help people with anxiety. If you're stuck in depression, you can't help with that, right? If you're stuck in obesity, you can't help people lose weight. If yeah. you've never achieved a high level of health and vitality, you can't help people with that. So to answer your question, everybody's energy field is, looks different, hmm. right? I always wondered if it's a similar energy field, but how it interacts with every body is different. Meaning it's almost like if, I, if you imagine a key and the key has no, no grooves in it and how that field interacts with every body brings out different rivets, different, different depths where let's say someone who has a, a you know, big, a big healer and they're, they're, the purple comes forward because that part of the key is, it resonates with the soul or, or, you know, I'm always curious about that. You know, where is the energy in the body and how it interacts? Um, uh, when I work with someone like an NHL player, um, it's amazing because the back of their heads, the, the reptilian brain is on fire and that's, it's an unusual thing. Most times I work with, people that are feelers or thinkers. But when I work with an athlete, it's back here. And it's hot. I mean, it, the heat from the back of the head is incredible. The animalistic connection to the body is incredibly intense. You know, the spinal column and the, the neurology is, is amazing with that. But the, you know, the, the going down and the root chakra of someone who's an athlete is incredible. Whereas someone who's a thinker, their ability, like you said, they're out of their body and they're out here, they're in their mind. And this is all this explosion of thoughts and reason and understanding and language is all here and i'm always fascinated by the differences like can we as as a thinker truly integrate that full you know physical presence and, or are we are we, do we have a certain like is that an emotional thing a learning thing i'm always fascinated by the differences between people uh, even within an old in a family we have someone who's an aggressive person with it steps forward and a person who who's very recessive and pulls in and just watching that dynamic is, is, is interesting on how we, we, we play this sort of orchestra of our body, you know, energetically. So I want to ask you about, um, uh, so you told me a little bit about your story. And, and I think everyone can resonate with that moment where they just knew something. They had that, aha, I just knew something. My experience was I was having a beer with a doctor. He was talking about his patients. And I could see his patient's tumors in his head. And I had no idea what I'm looking at until I talked to the person. He says, oh, those are my, my six tumors in my head and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way I've always been. And that's okay. It was, that was my aha moment where I had to look a little deeper. Um, so what would you recommend to the average person who, who wants to develop their spiritual ability, their, their ability to tune in to that knowledge or that clairvoyance, as you were saying, or clairaudio, that want to tune into that? What, what kind of tools, what easy tool can you give them right now to say, hey, here's a technique to use that might wake this up for you. Okay, well, I discuss how to open your intuition at length in my book, Unlimited Intuition Now. And I'll but, put the link below. Yeah, thank you. But I, I wanna make a distinction because 
as I, as, and I, forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but your intuition is basically your soul communicating with you. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that gets in our way of your soul communicating to you is your ego, mm. right? So your ego mind, like personally, I love to study. People go, well, tell me about your certifications. I'm like, I right, go look them up. I don't remember them all. I love to study, love to learn, very curious. And so, but when I'm looking at someone, when I'm doing a medical intuitive reading, I'm literally reading what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. Just like if I pick up a book and I go, oh, I already know what's in this book. Well, then I'm not reading. <laughs> Versus if I look, right? Okay, it's, it's, I'm like, oh, oh, this is what the book is really saying. So the first thing that you have to do when you want to open your intuition is you have to get your ego mind out of the way. So the ego mind is a part of you that wants to be right, <laughs> that wants to win, that wants to dominate. And the ego, one aspect of the ego is your shadow, right? So Carl Jung said the only way to live in your, the light is by knowing where your shadow is. So there's a, a simple little energy tool that you can do to tell your shadow to just take a hike. Right. So I'm going to take off my glasses. So on the left temple here, if you draw a circle right in, on the left temple and any, doesn't matter whether you, which, how you draw the circle and then draw an X through it, that's a little, um, the circle with an X on the left temple, that tells your ego, your shadow to take a hike mm. <laughs> so that you can learn and listen from your soul. So secondly, it's really helpful to have daily practices where you literally listen to your soul. So what does that look like? Prayer, meditation, right? Taking time during the day to listen and to specifically ask for guidance. Um, many times, uh, if people don't listen to their soul during the day, They'll get woken up in the middle of the night. The phone's not ringing. The kids aren't asking for anything. Your customers aren't begging for attention. So you want to create space in your life where you can listen. It, it's quite funny because a couple of years ago, I went on a road trip with some girlfriends. And one of the people who was there was a handwriting analyst. And she said, well, Catherine, just write your name and I'll read your personality. And she said, I can tell by the way that you write your name that you're highly intuitive because there's space. <laughs> so in a nutshell, set your ego out of the way, all right? Let go of what you think you know, okay? Because otherwise you're just projecting and then create the space to listen very deeply to your soul. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is, it's very important to understand how you receive information from your soul. Um, my primary gift is claircognizance, which is the same gift as Edgar Cayce. Mm -hmm. So I just know stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So somebody will be talking to me and it feels like just a regular conversation, right? And um, 
so there's claircognizant, which is the fastest GIF. When you receive information this way, it comes in within 30 seconds. There's clear audience, where you just hear things, right? There, again, there's clear sentience, where you feel and sense. Like a lot of people who do hands-on healing are very high in clear sentience. Mm. So they'll put the hands on a body and it's like, like, okay, I feel the inflammation here. I feel the pain. This feels good. The energy's blocked here. It's flowing here. Mm. And finally, there's clairvoyance, which is where you see things, right? And, um, you know, we all tend to think that the way that we think we see the world is the best, but it just happens to be that's how you process. And, you know, some people are slower processors, other people are fast processors. I'm always joking with my clients that fast and fast spin, slow spin, that's just a setting on the washing machine, (laughs) you know? And so if you're a, when you have clairsentience, that's a slower gift because you have to feel what's happening. You have to feel the energy and emotions of what's going on. Mm. And then you have to interpret it. What does this mean? The energy's coming towards me. It's going away. It's hot. It's cold. What does it mean? And the same thing with clairvoyance. So when you're clairvoyant, you may see things. So you mentioned seeing, you know, what looked like tumors. Well, you still have to figure that out. Right? right, or you see symbols, right? right. Like a, an owl comes in and stares at you for 30 minutes. What does that mean? <laughs> um, I like my gift of clear cognizance because it's very clear. <laughs> it's like, this is what it is. And um, so again, the third thing is you wanna understand how you receive information and really honor that, right? Um, it, the people who receive information very, very quickly, which are the claircognizant and the clairaudient people, they'll get information so quickly that they may confuse it with their own thoughts or not trust it. Mm. And then the people who are clairvoyant and clairsentience, it's a little bit slower, meaning it takes more time, right? Okay. Um, but so you want to understand how your soul is communicating with you. And I would say, finally, the last thing is to really learn to trust yourself, right? Mm. And again, I've got 27 years of experience. I have clients who who I'll say, you've got this or that going on. They'll go to the Mayo Clinic and they'll say the exact same thing that I said, only in medical terms or (laughs) with lab charts and, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And um, so it's really about, as one of my teachers said, it's really about showing up and getting out of the way. Mm. And what that means is to show up and be fully present with the person that you have in front of you and set your ego mind out of the way, right? Mm. And, and really setting your intention to serve for the highest good. So let me ask you, are there certain diseases that are easier to find than other ones? Are there certain things that you like, I know that disease or I know that, you know, the, the signature of this particular spinal injury or whatever, where it's like, you, you like look and you know exactly what the disease is, whereas other ones you have to sort of like kind of figure it out. It kind of looks like this. It's kind of like that. Like, are there certain diseases that have signatures that you find easier to read than others? Uh, another really good question. And, you know, years ago, I remember meeting this person who's a medical doctor 
and he thought everybody had thyroid problems, okay? And in my view, it's sort of like, uh, I have a hammer, you must be a nail, <laughs> right? Or if you think everybody's anxious or everybody's depressed or everybody's mean or everybody's ugly, that's called projection, <laughs> right? And I don't, when I'm working with an individual, I really want to listen very, very carefully to what their soul is wanting to share with me at that time. Mm. So I prefer not to do any projection. Mm. Um, I, uh, there's a healing center in Costa Rica. And for the past almost three years now, I've done uh, medical intuitive readings for every person who goes there. And sometimes I get a photograph, sometimes I don't get a photograph. Um, and they are the individual is supposed to fill out a form. A lot of times it'll be just Joe blows Seattle, eats peanut butter and jelly for lunch every day, no photograph. And I'll sit there and tune into that person and read what's going on with them. And um, I don't, you know, pe people have accused me of Googling them. <laughs> You know, and I don't want to do that because I really want to listen very, very carefully because it's my experience that when we really listen deeply at the soul level that you're going to get what that individual needs to hear at that time. Right. Okay. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for this interview. Uh, I think uh, the listeners will their minds will be blown and uh, thank you so much for your experience and your knowledge and your wisdom and, and your words. Um, I think this is going to be very interesting for people and we'll see where they can develop their own inner listening and their own individual uh, uh, abilities that come forward through this work. So thank you so much. And um, I will put the link in the description underneath and or on the podcast and right. have and a wonderful day. Yeah, my final thought for the audience is you have to ask yourself what's going on at my soul level because your soul controls your mind, your mind controls your emotions, your emotions controls your energy, and your energy system controls your physical body. So what's going on with your soul is going to dictate at the end of the day all of that experience. Well, be safe through COVID and let's get out of this and get back to being healthy again. Take care. Thank you for listening to our show. For more information about me, brain healing, or other modalities, please feel free to go to orionmott.com.